me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 38 of Metallicast, the Metallica podcast. I'm your host and fellow Metallica fan. My name is Brandon. On this episode, I am joined by two members of the up-and-coming band South of Eden. I speak with vocalist Ehab Amran and drummer Tom McAuliffe. This band, if you have not yet heard of them, I think you're about to hear a lot more from them and about them. They have their debut EP, The Talk, out now on Lava Records. And I speak to them about the making of that EP, getting signed to Lava Records, working with legendary producer Greg Wells, as well as so much more, including, of course, Metallica. They are both massive Metallica fans and both had a lot of passion and energy when talking about the music. So we have just about an hour conversation together that I think all of you in the Metallica Asmode Show will really, really enjoy. So here is my talk with Ehab and Tom from South of Eden. My guests in this episode are two members of the up-and-coming Columbus, Ohio-based rock band South of Eden. The band just recently released their debut EP called The Talk on Lava Records, which is out now. Please welcome to Metallica's vocalist Ehab Abron and drummer Tom McAuliffe. I got the name right? You did it, man. Bro, you threw up my name, though. You did? Uh, you did? did you hear did that? I? I didn't even listen to your It's name, McAuliffe. <laughs> What did McCullough, I say? Yes, we'll correct his name. I'm so used to listening for mine. <laughs> no, no, no. My name's a hard one. It's, I think, it's like something like, I don't know, 10 letters. Yeah, that's a lot of letters. It's so a long you know what? I, I saw both names and I said, I don't have to worry about Tom's name. And here right. we are. Here we are. Uh, fuck me, huh? <laughs> oh, wait, we can cut on this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's all good. Hey, thank God. This Dude, is just... out of my mouth as fuck. <laughs> yeah, you guys do not need to censor yourself. This is just my podcast going out to the world. So I don't have any network or corporate restrictions or anything like that. So please feel free to speak as you wish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right. So a question I usually ask first time guests is, uh, how did you get into Metallica? Do you remember the first time you heard the band and kind of what your reaction was? And Do I go first? <laughs> oh, yeah, because you probably had a longer history with the band. Uh, yeah, man. I mean, well, my, my mom and dad were both huge Metallica fans in the day. Nice. So they went and seen them on all these tours and got all this badass merch and shit. So I've been listening to them since I was born, basically. Nice. Uh, you know, all the all the original stuff, the Cliff era stuff, the Justice for All stuff, yeah, and then you know just all all the rest of it. I've been kicking it my whole life, man. <laughs> awesome, awesome, awesome. Yeah, man. I got into it later. Um, I got into rock a lot later, so that's kind of that's kind of why that happened. But uh, yeah, it was probably when I was in like ninth grade. I heard yeah. of like, like I obviously knew who Metallica was, but I finally heard uh, like oh song all the way through that wasn't a radio song and it was creeping death yeah. and it's just like whoa so was, <laughs> there's like 35 <laughs> things that are happening in one song literally song number two was one right. so it was like all right and uh we're we're now addicted <laughs> yeah. 
So I'm assuming, correct me if I'm wrong, Ehab, and I pronounced it right a second time, right? That's two for two. two, And you know what it's going to be? I'm going to make it like the whole time. And then the last time I say your name. Signing off. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's Ahab. (laughs) But, uh, you know, I read that you grew up in Jordan, the country. And so I'm curious, is that why was what was your experience like growing up there with music? Uh, so I did most of my growing up here in America. I came here okay. when I was four years old. So, uh, you know, you know, my, my early childhood was there. So a lot of my yeah. roots and, and how I, you know, a- acted and how I, uh, you know, basically went about listening to music or watching TV shows was very much influenced by that because we had, you know, Arabic cable. We were listening to Arabic records here and even in America because my parents obviously grew up there. Um, but yeah, the reason that I didn't get into rock until much later was because of that. So more or less the stuff that made it over there was like the really big international stuff, Michael Jackson, you know, right. Phil Collins, James Brown, George Michael. Like, and yes, he can do the entire thriller dance. Yes, man. I can, it, I can, well, you're on camera. Go for it. This is a bi-yearly thing. We get him screwed up enough to the point yeah. where we're like, dude, do it. He's yeah. like, that's exactly right. He breaks well, it's almost the season for. I mean, we're almost in Halloween here, so. Dude, it's good. I can go on this nineteen eighty seven Michael. Yeah, yeah. Collection right now. <laughs> uh, so, when did you? So you came over when you were four. Did you, and you ended up in Columbus at that point, or? Yeah, we were. We came. We came right here. Um, basically, my my father came here for about two months before me and my mom. And the reason for that was because he uh, he had a cousin that moved out here and was like, hey, there's actually really good money in just coming over here and selling phone cards. And these phone cards back in the day were uh, these little cards that would come in like $5 packages, $10 packages, oh, yeah. and a certain amount of minutes. Yeah. Is it do you, Mamba? This, do, you, do, you, do you Mamba phone cards? Oh, Mamba, dude. Do you yeah. Mamba? I, I, I remember. That was oh, like my – when I went off – when I when I started off to college, it was like I was like the last person to get a cell phone, you know. <laughs> so I, I I was sent to college by my parents with like a phone card, and it, they were yeah. like, you know, you got to dial this number and you yeah. know use your minutes. Oh, my minutes are almost up, so then you'd have to jump to the second. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've been yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> One of the ones that were like overseas. Yeah. And after being here for two months, he was like, yeah, like you know basically sell everything and come over like there's much better money here and it's a better life here and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, next thing you know, we're, we're living here and I was still addicted to Michael Jackson. And then kind of uh, our, our bass player, Nick actually introduced me to like rock and roll with like Iron Maiden, Guns N' Roses and stuff like that. And by the time I met Tommy, it was like, Hey, uh, here's this band called Black Sabbath and Grand Funk Railroad and you know, Deep Purple. And, and then that led me to like Elvis and, you know, James right. Brown, Franklin, all the, all yeah, the great, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and fucking, uh, yeah. So yeah, yeah. Stone. Stone. <laughs> you feel real good. Straight up, bro. It's all good. So, Tom, you grew up in uh, Columbus. You've been there your whole life, or? Uh, I Yeah, I've been coming in and out of Columbus my whole life, like, meaning I, I grew up outside of it, actually. I grew up about yeah. 40 minutes north. And uh, so we had, a, we had a lot of land and uh, growing up so, and a lot of musical equipment. <laughs> so nice. that generally, generally tended to make some good birthday parties we'd set up and play like sets in the back and shit we attempted to learn 
I think we attempted to learn for whom the bells told my first band did. <laughs> and we couldn't even keep that one together. So, yeah, yeah, I was, I mean, that was a good time. Yeah, dude, basement. Me and Nick's early bands, we did. I mean, you see me and Nick will mess around with it. Like, we did Master they, of Puppets. They were like, all yeah, the time. they could actually play Metallica covers. I was just like, <laughs> now like a fan who like played half a song, and I was like, yeah. <sighs> Yeah, before oh, we were, this right. Before we were this band, yeah, this band is a very rock and roll. Like we're very raw and just to the point. Right. Uh, kind of a band. But you know, I think all of us in our early years, we all tried to do like, dude, let's see if we can play battery. Let's one time. <laughs> no, no, I know it's hard, but let's just try it one time. <laughs> yeah. We still we still at least once a month run through Master of Puppets yep. for like 15 or 20 minutes. Cause yep. like one day, one day we're gonna one get day it. we'll do it. It gets better every time, but Oh, yeah. We tell people that, That's and they're tough. like, "Whoa, dude! Like you guys are running the entire album, Master of Puppets." Like, no, 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 no. The song, the song, Master of Couple breaks in between, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like take a breather, and then we'll pick up. Well, I mean, it's a good song for that. You have, you know, after that second course, you can take a little breather, pick back up with the interlude, yeah, and kind of yeah, builds yeah, back yeah. up. You know, ease back yeah. into it. Stretch your wrist. Oh my god. <laughs> so when did you guys meet up? Um, how old were you guys? Were you in high school? Was it after or before? I, I mean, this is the part you remember. Yeah, I yeah. So yeah, this is part of my recollection. Uh, we kind of pick it. We pick up each other's uh, memories and make up a, an, an entire story out of it. That's kind of how we recollect things. But basically, um, you know, we, we we'd like touched elbows more or less, kind of seen each other in the music scene, uh, playing at the El Rosa Villa or playing at the you know. Not a lot, not a lot of places to play. But when you when you were that small, basement. yeah, the basement, basement yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, were, we were young. We could barely sell ten tickets, so it was like kind of a small. You, know, you play the same venue every like three times. Right, like, yeah. So so we run into into each other. You know, we knew him as like the guy with the big blue drum set. You know, and they knew they knew me as like the dude that sang you know sang really loud or really high or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, uh, when Nick uh, Nick and I were in a band, Tommy and Justin were in a band. Nick went to Boston. Justin went to Boston for different reasons. One of them went to Berkeley. One of them went to more or less be a bum. I'm and- a Berkeley grad. I'm a Berkeley grad. That's where I went. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I went for piano, believe it or not, but I also Dude. played bass. Yeah. Nice. Sweet. That's sick. That's really cool. Well, Justin dropped piano. out. So <laughs> most, most most people who make it do. So that's a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> Here, well, here's here's the thing. If you drop out, you make it in the music business as a performer. There if you, you graduate, you're in your basement recording podcasts about Metallica. So there you go. <laughs> that's, <laughs> like a bad game, bro. that's a good game. <laughs> listen, I'm kidding. I love it. I love it. I love it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he and I met because we didn't have bands anymore to play in. So we went to college and thought that maybe we would do that. And he doesn't even remember this, but we were actually in the same like geology class, like some stupid 8 a.m. class. Yeah. I never showed up to, but like two times. So <laughs> he doesn't really remember me being there. I kind of remember him being there. And, uh, you know, that, that's more or less how we, again, almost met. And then finally, Justin hit us up both kind of separately was like, hey, like, you guys should play with each other. I know that you're a good singer and you're a good drummer. You guys should do something. And, we formed a little mini band called electric cream machine for like eight months, you know, and then nice. Justin came home for a winter break and uh, we basically convinced him to drop out of college and write music with us. 
And then next thing you know, we all dropped out. Yeah, and, and then, then uh, fast forward a couple of years, and here we are. Here we are. But in the bedroom on a Metallica podcast, my man. Yeah. <laughs> so it's well, I had I had a different experience at Berkeley because I'm actually a music teacher, so I I'm I'm one of the rare I'm one of the rare people who went to Berkeley for music education. It's a very <laughs> small major there, but, but I mean, for my interests, like you know, metal, rock. Like that, going to more contemporary college for me was like first stylistically was like the ideal place for me to end up if I was going to go to music college. So, you know, I I couldn't, I could never do like a conservatory. I was never a big classical guy. Mm -hmm. So that was just not my cup of tea. But you, you mentioned being in Columbus and like the scene that seen there was there actually is, is there a music scene i'm completely ignorant to columbus ohio so you guys have to educate me is there a music scene there that that's happening yeah there's a kick there's a couple different kick-ass music scenes here i mean there's nice. like the ones that we there's the ones that we kind of cut our teeth into which is there's a huge metal scene here mm-hmm. um awesome. all kinds of different metal you got like heavy chug metal you got screamo you know all yeah. all can- I'm sorry. Heavy, heavy chug metal. Heavy <laughs> chug metal. Heavy chug metal, dude. They want to put that on a t-shirt and sell it. <laughs> That's awesome. And they were heavily chugging. They were heavily chugging. So, this is better as it goes along for me. It has double meaning, you know. But uh no, there's a there's a great metal scene. Uh not too many like rock bands, but a whole bunch of different really badass metal bands, and then there's a huge country scene as well. If you're in the country, which we are in certain cases. Yeah, I, I like old school country, you know, like Johnny Cash and yeah, Willie right. Nelson. Like, and like, you know, Southern, Southern rock, like soft Southern rock. Yeah. That, that's what we're into. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sitting in my basement right now. I got uh, a Metallica poster, an Iron Man poster, and a Johnny Cash poster. So, nice. and Elvis <laughs> Presley. So, oh, yeah. well versed. <laughs> That's really cool. I, I I was wondering that when I saw where you guys were from, how much there was a scene. And you guys were talking about, you know, playing, uh, you know, houses and backyards. And I just was flashing back to when I was playing in bands. But some of those were like the most fun gigs, I think. You know, you mm-hmm. get like mm-hmm. uh, we I remember my my high school metal band. We did uh, we sold tickets for our backyard show at my drummers. And he had like a deck that was our stage yeah, 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 yeah. We've, done <laughs> and we like, we've done this <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've, done, we've done the exact same thing we've played we've played on the back of like literally a trailer that yeah. had oh, a, yeah. a little piece of wood in front of yeah, it it was a hay trailer and, and, and it wasn't even <laughs> from the truck that it was on literally the truck was just to the right we set up the drums and mostly everything on the trailer and then just stood in front of it. <laughs> your own PA in the minivan, dude. That oh, yeah. Cool. yeah. We, we got paid for Yeah, we definitely got paid for We that, got paid right? in, like, alcohol, I think. It's, <laughs> it, might, yeah. it might have been free drink. Yeah. I mean, that's the gift that keeps on giving, though. You I know mean. what I mean? That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I remember we we fired up my uh, my drummer's parents' grill and we were like selling hot dogs and burgers and we had like a whole mini festival going. And the best <laughs> part was we organized it, so we made ourselves the headliner. So we made other high school yeah. bands open up for us. You know, the, amazing. <laughs> it was the best. Oh shit! <laughs> Besides Metallica, I mean, you mentioned some of them. You know, you're into some country you're into maiden what were some of your other influences when you were coming up and uh 
and and sort of like how do you think those influences like directly affect your band in terms of performance and or songwriting uh well i mean at least in the drumming section i <laughs> i listen a lot to uh 70s like 60s rock doors grand funk deep purple that kind of stuff and i really yeah. love that stuff because it was just like the birth of like all this other really great music uh so zeppelin sabbath like those are my really huge ones and then my dad was a like a deep core like metalhead back in the day so he liked like uh napalm death and megadeth and slayer and like the, the yeah, yeah. real heavy shit you know yeah and uh so i grew up on all of that and then metallica was like you know obviously the the kings on on the on the right. pile so oh, of course and yeah. but the thing the thing about that era of music that i love is just the aggression you know what i mean yeah it, it, it is pertinent on every single song but it's just like in your face when they want to you know hit you with a shovel it's like full bore so that's yeah, what I'm i think about. I think it has like the right amount of rawness too. In most cases, like it's not, it's not punk rock. It still has a polish and a shine to it, yep. but it, but not in a way that takes off the edge. Yes. Yeah. And really like those are the bands that attract us. I mean, if you listen to any of our influences, whether it's, you know, whether it's Zeppelin or the doors or, you know, later on Van Halen or Metallica or Guns N' Roses or, you know, Alice in Chains, all of these bands, when you look at what they did in their era, they're bands that kind of redefined everything again. You know, they're bands that were kind of doing what everyone else wasn't doing. So whether it was, right. whether it was, you know, The Doors back in the day, really introducing people to psychedelic rock, or it's Sabbath introducing people to metal, whether it's Zeppelin introducing people to, you know, heavy rock and roll, hard rock, if you want to call it that. Um, or later when Van Halen, you know, suddenly now someone's playing the guitar with, you know, two hands on the neck. You know, and then right. Metallica now, all the, there's all this hair, hair band stuff. Metallica decides, you know what, we're going to hit them with the raw, you know, not pussy shit. And we're going to basically do what everyone else isn't doing. Same thing with Guns N' Roses. It became yeah. this oversaturated market. Guns N' Roses was back to the hard rock style, you know, grunge with Nirvana, Alice and Chain. You just keep yeah, going. Yeah, because Metallica showed up because of like disco. Exactly. Grunge showed up because of hair metal, glam uh -huh. metal, really. Yeah. You know, and then there hasn't there, you know, in my opinion, at least there hasn't been a really huge rebirth. Yeah. You know, they're they're one of the like bands that redefined the entire genre. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing that rock music as a whole is missing right now. So that there just has not been yet that band that has just like shattered down new doors and been like, this is something completely unlike anything you've ever heard before fuck what you just heard that yep. was really popular you know yeah well, they tried yep. to do that with technology right they're trying to do that right. with all this fucking like you know like i can't even say solid state because dimebag used solid state stuff but not even solid state you know i mean they're using nothing but plugins and this kemper and you know i don't know if you're familiar with what a kemper is but basically everyone goes out and they rave about this thing it's called a kemper it's like this big it looks like a the, uh, it looks like a guitar head, but it's a sample yeah. and it has all the guitar tones of all time, right? Yeah. And the issue with it for me, because it's an amazing device, but the issue with it for me is as soon as I hear a guitar, I can tell you if it's a Kemper or not. Like, just like that in a millisecond. You yeah. know? One it's of the that, programmed. Right, right. It's that rawness that people are missing. That, like, it's either programmed drums or if there is a real drummer, all of his drums are set to triggers where right. not the real drum. Because nobody wants to take the time to, like, Let's mic this properly. Let's get the expensive microphone. Let's take the time to EQ everything perfectly. 
you know, right. or let's just start with like tuning the drum set correctly. People, yeah. people aren't doing that anymore. And that's why they aren't redefining things. They feel like they need to discover something new. You know, I don't think yeah. Hendrix like went out and bought a new piece of technology to think of something new. <laughs> yeah. You know, right. yeah. He wasn't inspired by something he just bought off the shelf. Right. And he had to, exactly. Yeah. He had to do his own. Right. Thing. And that's, and that's exactly the point. I feel like one of the reasons why Metallica is, you know, like Metallica and those bands like Dio and Ozzy and especially the eighties Iron Maiden type bands. Mm -hmm. Like in my opinion, the reason part of the reason why they're so legendary is just, they're so unique. You know what I mean? You can hear an Iron Maiden song guitar hit one note and a Metallica and they're totally different mm -hmm. and unique, but it's just, it's that moment in time. You know what I mean? It's not just something they plugged into a computer and said, yep, that's the sound. It's like, that's that microphone, that cab, that room. Like this is James Hetfield when he's fucking what nineteen, right? Or you know twenty right. or twenty three or whatever. Yeah, I think so. What both of you guys said made me think of a few different things, and you know to go back to the to the technology aspect of it all, I, I absolutely agree. And it's one of those things too. If you have, you give James Hetfield pretty much any guitar, he's gonna make that thing sound great. Exactly. You know, and and he's going to make it sound like Hatfield. Yeah. And yeah. that's another thing I think that's missing a lot. Like when you listen to the radio is that because of the production, because of this and that, it, a lot of it just sounds a lot more uniform these days. But like when you hear Metallica, you know, instantly it's Metallica from like the guitar tone, Never mind the vocals. Same thing with Maiden, same thing with, you know, all these great bands, GNR, like they have a very, not only was it an, something original and came out, but I mean, you've heard the songs now millions of times, but they still sound very distinct and original because the, those bands were able to capture something special in how they sound. And, and like you were saying, all they needed was guitar, drums, some basic pedals, but that's the extent for in, in terms of effects. Right. Yeah. And the, the thing is, is that what a lot of people don't realize is that's a extraordinarily difficult process. You know, but they didn't in 1981 to, you know, before the really mid to late 80s, nobody knew any different. You just you had to go into a studio, you had to right. set up your shit, you had to make it sound good because that's what was getting recorded to tape and you couldn't. Right. It, and that's it. Right. So, you know, that was like the best they were they could do on a very difficult thing to try. To it's do. like, dude, what, what we're doing as a band right now, you know, there's not there's not many bands doing what we're doing. And there's some things that we do that nobody's doing. And, you know, and, and a lot of that is just sticking to just true rock and roll. And, and that, you know, step one, play what you want to play because that's what you love and that's what sounds good. So if you don't want to put a hole in your kick drum and you want to play certain types of drums that are tuned certain ways because that's what you know sounds good with our music, then that's what you're going to do. You know, you know, you know, we freaking sound guys we've had tell us like, oh, dude, you can't you can't mic this kick. Like, what are you going to do? With it? And, and we're like, we're like, well like how did they do it back in the 50s you know yeah. like, let alone the 70s let alone yeah. the 80s like technology's progressed right or people that like yeah you know before we got on the in-ear game when people would just be like dude like you know why do you have monitors on the stage like there's no reason to have monitors on the stage it's nothing but feedback and it creates all this problem and blah, blah. i'm like dude i'm almost 100 percent positive that elvis had a monitor on his stage and i'm pretty sure that monitor was way crappier than the monitor that we have now and all these like noise canceling microphones and all this crap that we have now to prevent these issues. It, it's a lot easier and a lot cheaper to just be like, Hey, here's a pair of headphones, put these in and we're yeah. going to transmit signals to you. You know? So 
I, I know a story about Metallica because I, uh, from the, I'm not sure if you guys remember the Revolver Magazine Golden God Awards that happened like several years ago. Yeah. Uh, there was like a few years of them and Metallica played one year. I, um, my wife worked at Revolver for a short period of time. So I know oh, very cool. uh, a yeah, few yeah. people who were involved at the, who were like heavily involved in the Golden God Awards. And so I know the year that Metallica played, you know, they have like the digital, I, I'm, I'm not tech savvy in this way in terms of uh, mixing and engineering. So, um, but they have, you know, like the digital console mm -hmm. set up that everybody, that every band that played was going through. Yeah. Metallica brought their own like old school analog setup, put it in the back. They feed like one amp through and guess what? They sounded louder and better than everybody else who played. Exactly. That, you know? Watch the Rolling Straight Stones up. halftime show. Watch the yeah. Stones halftime show and tell me why it sounds better than the Chili Peppers halftime show. And I'm not, and that's not because, you know, I'm not saying that's because, you know, I mean, obviously the Stones are better, you know, like, yeah, they're iconic for sure. But why do the Stones sound so good? Because they're the only band that has ever played the halftime show recently, at least. You know, I don't know about before, but they What year was this? Oh, seven. Okay. okay yeah, this, that's is like, this is like in the 2000s. Yeah, that's, so, that's Which that's is like unheard of. But basically what they do at the halftime show is like the only thing that's live sometimes is the lead microphone. Everything else is run with in-ears. Everything else is pre-recorded, and it's impossible to do it because, yeah, lip because you only have 15 yeah. minutes to set up this whole stage and blah, 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 blah. You know, there's a lot of reason behind it, and sure, that's fine, but here come the Rolling Stones. In 15 minutes, they Hard set up a real – real yeah. analog everything dude they had everything they had, and their stage was the biggest just live it was everything it sounded yeah. amazing and yeah. i'm just like man we got lazy we didn't get better we just got lazy <laughs> what happened to the good sound men man what, yeah. everyone read the same book and just like you said they're being run by the same board like if that digital board yeah. it's an x32 it's either the behringer or the midas you're gonna go to every festival and find the same board Everyone, yeah. oh, this is the standard. This is the standard. There's no being unique anymore. You know, you can't. Yeah, do that. yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and to go back to like when you were talking about the triggers, like you hear that even in metal. Oh. And yeah. when you hear, you know, like I like a lot of more extreme metal too, like black metal, death metal. But and you hear these drummers doing insane things with the double bass and everything. But then, yeah, you have to wonder. You you hear certain drummers and you're like. There's no way he's actually doing that. Like I, ha unless if I see him duplicate it live mm -hmm. without, like I'm like, that's got to be a trigger, right? And, yeah. and sometimes it's not even something really that fancy and crazy, and you find out it's a trigger. And you know, going back to your guy's point, like you know, Lars Ulrich gets shit on a lot for his drumming, but he's all about feel. He's and I would much drummer. rather, I would much rather have a a guy who's about feel and attitude and power and like getting a massive sound than somebody who can you know play 200 bpms and have a trigger bass drum or whatever you know right and that that was that was one of the points that my dad like raised me on because like everybody says i hit really hard so i, I guess i do like, I still, <laughs> i've exactly. seen some i've seen some people that hit hard and i'm not yeah. that but uh one of the things is like he drilled into me was like dude you gotta hit the drums like you gotta put you gotta hit the drums hard enough to like put your soul into it like put the feel into them you know what i mean yeah and you know it's one thing to hear a drummer you know but he's like literally hitting this hard whereas you know me and my yeah, dad yeah. look at videos of dave lombardo and lars Ulrich and stuff during their really crazy fast double bass eras 
and dude, they're sitting. Well, first off, they're sitting so low, but dude, their fucking knees are coming up into their elbows. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're like, and of course yeah. they're doing this yeah. shit. You know, they're really, yeah, yeah. really putting <laughs> right. that shit out there, and that you can feel it. You know what I mean? Right. Exactly. You feel when they're just like really exerting that. Yeah, and I and I mean, I'm not sure if I've ever seen a drummer with more energy than. Lars, he's like basically a front man behind that drum set, like yeah. jumping up and down, and you know, yeah, he's, he's just... a loon, dude. He's like squeaking. <laughs> maybe, maybe Tommy Lee, Tommy Lee, maybe, Tommy Lee, he's Tom... one of the parts. I mean, I mean for the Lars part, yeah, part too. <laughs> if you're, I feel like if you're talking entertainment, <clears throat> uh, entertainment factor, I could put Tommy Lee up there with him, but like, in terms of straight physical like, endurance, like all right, real quick, let's play, let's play freaking, uh, <laughs> let's play battery, and then uh, uh, creeping death, creeping death, and then let's <laughs> continue on to like freaking, in, uh, you know, injustice for all, like yeah. just just the kick. Yeah, right. on that. Oh, that would yeah. be one, and then after all of those, after we burn through your legs and they're dead, damage incorporated. You just go to and then one. <laughs> 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 oh my god, dude! I, I mean, I mean, if uh, another entertaining drummer though. Was David? Oh, not David the Roth. Jesus. Was uh, was Dave Dave Grohl? Oh, Dave yeah. Grohl is oh, fun yeah. to watch. Yeah, you know, fun to watch. And he's incredible yeah. behind the camera. Oh, yeah. he's so cool. We, yeah. we got but symbols so high <laughs> up here, man. We were yeah. lucky enough to see them. Uh, the Foo Fighters. I mean, twice we saw them at Epicenter when we played with them at nice. uh, Sonic Temple. We were both on the festival. Nice with them, and uh, my vote for most incredible stage show currently in the year twenty twenty, like. Wow, yeah. cuz they're they're, they're 100% real and they're just yeah. unbelievable. And then yeah. Taylor comes out front to sing a Queen song and Dave Grohl's back and plays drums and it's like So we got to see oh, Dave Grohl drum. Oh yeah, and awesome. he's still just as much of a monster now as he was back in the day, man. That's amazing. and he, he beats the shit out oh, of those things. <laughs> he gets hard. All the greatest drummers, dude. I mean, Buddy Rich was a jazz drummer. And he smacked that the fuck out of them, dude. He drums, smacked the fuck dude. out of them things, dude. That's the thing, man. There's there's a metal attitude, you know? And yeah. there's been a metal attitude since the 50s. It's just how they express it with instruments. Exactly. Because Buddy Rich exactly. definitely had a metal attitude. Oh, he yeah. was like, hey, dude, yeah, come he was... out here and play so fast and so hard that you're going to cry. Yep. Sit down, boy. Yeah. And just... <laughs> right, exactly. You guys recently signed to Lava Records. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and you are, you know, they have a very impressive roster. In uh, the EP, correct me if I'm wrong, was produced by Greg Wells. Yes, sir. Correct. So how did you guys get hooked up with Greg Wells? And for those of you listening who might not know, he's just sort of done it all in popular music. He's worked with, uh, you know, an v- extremely short list of artists, Adele, Alton John, uh, 21 Pilots, Deftones, so, you know, classic rock, hard rock, pop, just kind of it all. So how, how did all, how did signing with Lava Records and hooking up with Greg Wells, how did that kind of all come to be for you guys? Well, like the first thing that happened was, right, we had a, a, a bunch of songs that we wanted to record. And it was, it was, so we used to be a band called Black Coffee. Back, I happened to be wearing the shirt. Yes, good timing. <laughs> right? And I was like, I don't wear your own old band's merch. Is that still lame if you wear old still, merch? Is that- no, it, listen, if, 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 you know. I still rock it. Have, if you can wear your current band stuff, which Metallica has shown that you can, uh, well, then you can wear yeah. your old band that's stuff. True. So. That's true. That's true. Bottom yeah. used to wear a Zeppelin t-shirt and drum, man. They would. They would. They would. It's kind of cool. It makes you look like. If you, you know, do it all the time, though. 
<laughs> then you're right. and, and technically you're still in the band. It's not like Mustaine wearing like a Metallica t shirt. Oh, that would oh, be no, that would be that'd be great, but that'd be weird. I wish know? I could so, see that picture. There's gotta, there's gotta be a picture where he wore a Metallica t shirt on stage. I mean no way. Or is, was he still too mad? He might have still been yeah, mad, dude. I think he's still too mad right now. <laughs> he was, he's oh so my, salty, dude. You know, but he's so salty. He's, he's, there's no guy. doubt he's salty, bro. Oh, dude. Who wouldn't be so? Oh, you got kicked out of the greatest band. <laughs> what the fuck, like, dude? But anyway, so we had a bunch of songs that we wanted to record. Yeah, and uh, we we had just hired uh, this kid to manage us, and uh, more or less, he had a really nice LinkedIn account and reached out to a bunch of people. So if you're a musician and you want to reach out to producers. Maybe use LinkedIn. We're not sure he wouldn't tell us. That's why he's not our man. But anyway, um, you know, we, we were looking for producers and we had the you know unbelievable pleasure of talking with people like Eric Valentine and Mike Clank and all these freaking phenomenal people that we were able to reach out to that literally they took the call because of the demo that we recorded. And, um, you know, so I guess it, it goes to show that like apparently we had something. We didn't know that we had something, but yeah. apparently we did. And uh, Greg Wells was one of the people that we sent our stuff to. And he was basically like, hey, stop looking. You know, I've been looking for you for 20 years. You know, I want to be your Mutt Lang, which Mutt Lang, if you don't know who he is, is the producer oh, yeah. of the ACDC stuff. He did all kinds, oh, of, yeah. all kinds of stuff. But he wanted to be our Mutt Lang to what Mutt Lang was to ACDC. And he wanted to just really not only help us achieve the sound that we wanted to get, but also help us develop as musicians. So uh it, you know of course hearing all of that we were like well just happens that you know you believe in us more than we believe in ourselves so that worked <laughs> for us you know and right uh from there man you know it was like a i don't even know what happened it was like somebody pushed a snowball off of a off of a cliff it's like we, we've been building this snowball for yeah. so long we kept trying to push it and then greg gave us this last little nudge and then jason flom calls us and you know uh a lot of people, I don't know who I'm, I don't want to say a bunch of labels that called us and make us look like assholes, but basically a few <laughs> labels called us. We were super happy to take all the calls, but Flom was basically like, Hey, you guys, you know, you guys are exactly what I'm looking for. You know, I just signed this band Greta not too long ago and they're doing all this great stuff for rock and roll. And I was like, we've heard of Greta, like they're awesome. And, yeah. you know, it took a very short uh, amount of time. Um, to realize that Jason Flom is this amazing person and he and Greg have all this history together anyway. And, you know, you, you, we met the rest of the team at Lava and really it, it was a really easy decision for us. It was just about getting the contract put together correctly because, you know, it's it's unheard of to get a record deal as a rock band nowadays. So right. we knew that we had to look out for a bunch of things. They already kind of – we we've had a lawyer, Nick Ferrara, um, for quite some time. So as soon as we started talking to them, uh, he's he's already had experience with Lava. He, he knows Flom and all that stuff. So from the get go, before we even got contract one, it was like, hey, these guys aren't fucking around. Like they, you know, they couldn't care less to be on a label or not. You know, they're just they want to make their own music and they aren't going to sacrifice or you know compromise on any of that shit. So you know, give them let let them do what they want. They'll make good music and you pay them good, and that's that's what happened. Right. So. You know, we were really, really, really ecstatic to to be able to, you know, kind of set a different tone for, you know, even what a record deal could look like nowadays. And we're hoping that we can break through 
um, you know, in these crazy times and, and really just no, in, trying times, in these trying times, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in trying times, <laughs> um, we just want to thank you for the correction. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, we just, we just want to show bands that you don't have to compromise to do what you want to do. And if anything, if you really are about rock and roll or metal or whatever it is, it's, it's the middle finger, you know, that's, that's all you gotta do. Just put your middle finger up and do what you want to do. And you're either going to succeed that way or you won't succeed, but at least you wouldn't have, you know, been spoon fed something that you didn't want to do. So, yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah, keep, keep, keep it real. Yeah. Keep it real. That keep, was keep, exactly yeah. real. Keep, keep, just cross out what I said. And that. <laughs> keep it real, bro. That's it. The realer you keep it, the better it is. Well, and, and I think, you know, having heard the EP and stuff, it, it, you guys are definitely, I'm hesitant. Yeah, you're definitely a rock band, but I'm hesitant to even call you straight up rock because I hear a lot of different influences kind of sprinkled throughout. Oh, yeah. And to, so to work with somebody like Jason, who has all this history, and to work with somebody like Greg, especially since he was very hands on with you guys musically, who has all this history and diverse background, I think it's a perfect fit for you guys because it's very, you know, both are very rock friendly guys, but you know, they work in this genre and that genre. They don't, it, it's not like a, a rock centric label necessarily or a rock centric producer necessarily. So I think it, it, I think it was a really good fit for you guys, and the end product was great. Well, we just can't wait for you to hear the rest of it. <laughs> yeah, <man. laughs> we recorded a full album out there, and you know, the, the only reason we released any music at all this year was because of the fans and because of how badly everyone wanted to hear the music. So we released dancing with fire, uh, which is honestly a B side on the record. And the reaction was so tremendous that we were like, you know what, let's release a couple more songs, <clears throat> give, give them something to chew on. And, um, yeah, th this full length album though, it's, it's raunchy. It's very, very dirty. And, and we're super excited to Same. let it out. Seriously, it's, it's something else, man. And, and we're we're super pumped to let people hear it because you know the songs on the EP really were just kind of the appetizer you know just kind of give them right. something to think about because that's why they're so different you know like the talk versus solo solos you know a very Queen meets James Brown kind of uh, even a Chili Pepper influence I think in there yeah mm -hmm. and it has a strong GNR riff in my in my head when the guitar kicks in I like kind of flash back to you know Slasher yeah you know playing. Exactly. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, is there a, a, a time frame for the full length? Is that still up in the air? Are you not allowed to say right now? Or you know, uh, we we like the art of the tease. We are huge fans of that. <laughs> um, the full length will be released really soon. We're gonna release uh, this. We're not sure what we're gonna call it. Maybe like the talk sessions or something of that kind of a nature, which is yeah. some acoustic tracks um, that we did, reimagined versions of the talk and. Um, morning nice. brew and there's also we did some live stuff uh in studio as well that we're going to release of, of dancing with fire and talk and we just released on monday uh show me how to live uh cover of the audio slave song so awesome. you know that we're going to do a little kind of mini package for everybody here uh pretty soon and then on to uh the next single before the album nice yeah well you know, before you guys go, and I hope you have a, a few more minutes, I definitely want to talk more Metallica with you boys. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah so I, I'm really interested to know because you guys are younger, like early 20s, right? Yeah, so 23. It, 23. But like, Tom, you came up 
with them like your whole childhood so i'm really interested to know like what's your favorite era of the band they have so many different eras at this point you know the the 80s drastically different from the 90s 2000s is different even though sort of come like full circle in a lot of ways so i'm really interested to see do you like it all is there what's your favorite there there are definitely there's definitely shining moments in their whole career you know what i mean hardwired especially i liked a lot you know what i mean yeah and that's because i am a diehard 80s metallica fan if if i if i get in a metallica mood i just want to hear ass kicking like it just badassness you know what i mean so that that's the area i always turn to that's what my dad always listened to that he's that's the area he grew up with so there's nothing hits me like you know kill them all ride the lightning master puppets even just for all um dude that's 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 a tough question for you dude that's yeah (laughs) yeah it but my thing is, I I seriously, I there's not an album they've released that I have not enjoyed several songs off of, you know? And my favorite Metallica album, like, I can't say that without naming more than one because of the eras, but it's a good question asking what is my favorite era because I think the Death Magnetic era was so sick. And, and just all the video, like, right before and during uh that movie they released which i'm blanking on right now through the never through the never through the never yeah um all of that stuff man i really really enjoyed i really i mean i think one of the best track listings ever is right in the middle of death magnetic and i i think i'm not sure 100 sure the order but i think it's like all nightmare long uh cyanide and unforgiven three yeah dude I mean, Cyanide Alone is such a sick punk metal song that's just, like, so straightforward and so heavy and so original Metallica that, like, I feel like they never lost that, like, on each album. Like, you know, like, you know a lot of people hated the Black Album. All those people can go fuck themselves. Completely wrong. <laughs> so good. You know, and, and, I mean, then you got Load and Reload. I mean, so many great songs, whether it's Fuel, whether it's Unforgiven 2, whether it's I mean, I forgot about fuel. Fuel's good. Dude, I mean, just just that one. They played that live like in in '92 or something, right after the Black Album. They already had it. The the lyrics are slightly different. I've seen this live video like one one or two times. So maybe it was like during Binge and Purge, which might have been later. But anyway, super cool. Like it's just, I feel like they've always had great music, always. And and my favorite Metallica song, and this is like a a hard one as well. But my favorite Metallica song is the um. Wow, I can't even remember right now. It's my favorite. The freaking dun 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 dun. Born to push you around. Day that never comes. Day that never comes. Thank you. Dude. Yeah. Like, I always, I always yeah. name, but dude, that song is. He does so, the same thing to lyrics. Yeah, I do. <laughs> Such a well-written song, man, and performances yeah. of it live in Quebec, and you know, oh, oh my god, it's so good. Like, I just, I love everything they've released, man, except for the snare tone. On insane anger. anger. So, do you, do you dig the overall album though, like the song yeah. or the? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Saint Anger itself is actually not. I mean, even Saint Anger, the song, is kind of cool. You know, it's 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 very like ahead of its time. Ahead of its time, you know. So <laughs> I don't know. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of everything they've done. I think one thing I like about Metallica is that they're always like with each new album, you never really know what to expect except you know is going to sound like metallica yeah at the end of the day yeah. like they you're gonna have that the crunch of the guitars you're gonna have you know hatfield's bark but you, you never really know which direction is going to be and they in there 
they become kind of so versatile where they can do battery, but then they can do, you know, uh, the unforgiven or they can do nothing else matters or they can do, you know, there was a, I don't know if you guys remember, remember the song, sort of a deep cut off low, but they did like mama said, which was like a country Western ballad basically. Right. And I, um, I mean, they're, they're, they're a band that, was able to on I mean right on their second album I'm trying to think of anything on Kill 'Em All was kind of softer but I don't I don't really think there was Kill 'Em All was kind of a blast yeah yeah that was like full on thrash and then you got Fade to Black on Ride which even the title track Ride the Lightning I mean that dun, 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 bum, bum, right it's like this softer side of them but still heavy and intricate and super sick yeah and a fade to black i mean yeah you know what i mean like they, yeah. they've been doing this for so long they've been doing the soft stuff and then they're able to perform with an orchestra like dude what the who yeah. you know hell, the interlude and master of puppets yeah the interlude and master exactly, yeah. man i mean dude it's so so sick and that's the same song that is like odd timing and heavy as fuck and all this crazy down picking stuff in the middle of it is just like this hotel california sounding thing <laughs> well that's why i i always say master puppets is my favorite metallica song because to me if nobody's ever heard metallica before in eight minutes i can play them that song and to me that's like everything that they do really well yeah you have like yep. fast heavy you have kind of the more groove oriented parts you have the interlude the complicated song structure the solo it just has everything yeah that makes metallica yeah. metallica in my opinion yeah if i was showing metallica to a not rock metal fan you know i would i would show them one like i've actually shown a couple of people because i also i listen to a lot of pop i listen to rap and all kinds of stuff so i'll show my friends that aren't rock fans i'll show them one because it's like this really nice you know pretty <laughs> pretty stuff than there is heavy stuff in the beginning and then, yeah. like next thing you know, it's just and just fucking and everyone's reaction is just like, what? What the hell is this? You know, it's so cool. And then you go to Master of Puppets, yeah. you're like, holy fuck, yeah, yeah, it's so cool, man. I, how, to, how to make a Metallica fan in two easy steps, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, Fifteen minutes. Yeah. You mentioned uh, their work with the orchestra. I'm curious if you guys have heard SNM two, the one that just came out there. I haven't heard it yet. Have you? Yeah, it's phenomenal. It's um, so I, I th was thinking of it when you first said the Unforgiven three off Death Magnetic because they do it uh, for S and M two, but there's no band except James's voice. It's just orchestra and vocal. It's a really cool arrangement, and he does a really awesome job with it. All right, well okay. that concludes this interview. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Get up from here. <laughs> It's really well done. So for me, I might actually like it better than the first S&M. Um, wow. I, I think it's more consistent with like the the set list and the arrangements. And the the first half of the show, they it's they they do the day that never comes. Wow. They do um, a, a few hardwired tracks, but outside of that, it's kind of. Uh, arrangements that you heard on SM, mm. and then they do like their brief intermission, and then they come back for the second half, and they just they do a whole bunch of uh crazy stuff. They do uh two classical pieces, one with orchestra, and then one with them playing with the orchestra. They do Unforgiven Three, which is just like orchestra vocal. Wow. They do uh, an acoustic arrangement of All Within My Hands from Saint Anger. Mm. They do uh 
they had the principal basses of the orchestra, Scott Pingle. I had him on the podcast. Um, he does, he did anesthesia pulling teeth and it's a goosebumps moment. I, and it's the full thing. Lars comes out on drums and plays with them. It's Is he doing it amazing. Like he did it. He did it on a electric upright. Oh my God. He, <laughs> I had him on the podcast, uh, like right before I did a live stream with him the day SM2 came out. Oh. Like, so it was like just at like the end of August. And he walked me through the whole, his whole process of like finding the right pedals. He had a whole pedal board. He like did research. He watched, listened to the studio version, watched like every live version. And he did his own rearrangement. And he tells like the whole story of that. His arrangements telling about like, you know, Cliff Burden is, you know, it starts off kind of like slow and sad and that's Cliff Burton. He says like reaching out to like to the fans and to the band. And then it just like eventually just kicks back in, uh, kicks all the way in with like the distortion with the fuzz pedal. Oh, and he's like, that's Cliff Burton giving the middle fingers. And it's, it's amazing. It's, it, it was really like a goosebumps moment the first time you hear it. Um, so I, I, I highly recommend it. I'm really excited, man. Hell yeah, dude. I got to ask too, you know, just because you say you like each album, have you heard the Lou Reed album, Lulu? Yes. Yes, I have. Thoughts, thoughts, opinions. Yeah, man, it's really different. It, it, <laughs> wait, was it Metallica with Lou Reed? Let me just show you the album cover. This is amazing. Look oh, at this. Boy. Look at this. Well, have you never just, seen this? No, what are you talking about? You don't know about this. <laughs> well, it, they, I, it is. It is over an hour of some of the weirdest music you will ever hear. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to get copywritten. That's a good point. <laughs> Interesting. Um, Lou Reed yeah. Metallica. That's yeah. Cool. And again, here's the thing, right? It's like, I remember listening to the whole thing. And I remember yeah. being like, there was some cool parts in that. I still like it. You know, and I walked away from it. Still cool with it. Now. Yeah. I, you know, I can hear. Yes, I have an ear. You know, I I can tell that some of that was some nonsense. I think they know that some of it was nonsense, but it was still sweet. You know, that's 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 my conclusion of that without speaking too much upon it. <laughs> <laughs> See, I bet you guys didn't think you were coming on here, and when you'd get a Lulu question. Yeah, no, I was, I was, no, I was like, that's the last thing we're gonna talk about. <laughs> it was one of the last things we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, when when you have a whole podcast dedicated to one band, you 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 turn over every rock, every leaf, you know. <laughs> yeah, man. We were just watching Cliff them all not too long ago. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That is so sweet, man. So sweet. And he was like, you know, he like I, I realized very quickly after learning more about him that he was kind of the dude that I would have related to in terms of like who I would have looked up to in Metallica because yeah. like just his pot smoking, laid back, you know, fuck the man kind of attitude. And just the fact that, again, reinventing the way the bass was played, like it's without anything super new. I mean, he decided to take a wah-wah and put it on, you know, put it on a uh, a bass with, uh, with a distortion pedal. And then he ended up combining the two and making a fuzz pedal, you know. But it's yeah. like, I don't know, man, like it's so sad, the story, you know, and seeing – it's we're so blessed to have the footage – of the master of puppets tour, even if it's fan footage from some guy that snuck a camera. Oh yeah. I mean, dude, it's just, you know, I'm so glad that we were able to see something like that. 
Yeah, because Cliff was the man, dude. He was the, the man. biggest man. Like, he was yeah. just a baller. Well, some of the best footage that it, like, best filmed footage that exists, some of it appears on that from their Day on the Green in 85. Yeah, oh, yeah, dude. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, my favorite, one. that's my favorite one. My favorite yeah. one from the Bell Tolls. Yep. Yeah, he's, just oh, yeah. he's just like, take a look in my eyes. <laughs> Cliff. Cliff's just sitting there just screaming the people yeah. playing, man. Oh, my God, man. So Well, it's just sort of by, like, complete luck and faith that it's shot primarily on Cliff's side, side of the, the stage. stage. So you get like a close up of him from almost every song. And I and and you know, as a basis, I would just like I remember being in middle school, high school and just like fast forwarding my it, I'll date myself, fast forwarding my VHS of like Cliff yeah, Walt to like dude. look at like the the fingers moving and everything He's and like uh, punching his bass. Oh yeah, he would you you want to talk about being the shit out of your instrument. Oh he, yeah. He did not hold back on that bass. Yeah, man. They all did that. You know, like I remember yeah. like Kurt would come up and like show the camera his hand and it would just be purple right here from just smacking the instrument. <laughs> oh, cool. I just just a fun little story. Uh I remember seeing a video of Hatfield go up to Lars's cymbals and just like punches the cymbal. Right? So when I was in my high school metal band, I was like Oh yeah, I'm doing this. And I went up to my drummer cymbal and I fucking punch it. I cut my hand. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you want to be a badass. Similar story. At I least to, know where to hit it. Right. I used to watch. <laughs> I used to watch Hatfield or any metal drummer like put their leg on the kick drum, you know, and just freaking jam out. Yeah. yeah First yeah. time, like we played live together. I went back to the kicker and I'm jamming out and he's jamming out and I feel like I put my foot on it. And I'm just like going back and forth. You know, and I look up at him, like giving him crazy eyes. And he's just like, he's like, nope. And I'm, he's like, get your foot the fuck off my drum set. <laughs> so I, I'm extraordinarily protective of them. And they're from the seventies. So they're like thin, you know, they're, they're like kind of more delicate drums are loud as hell, but you can't be stepping on them and shit. them. <laughs> Have you guys had a chance to see uh, Metallica live yourself? Yeah, baby. Rock on the Range. Yep, same. Oh, nice. Oh, what, that was, uh, what year was that? It was just a few years ago, right? I think it was 17. 17. No, it was it was the year, It was, was it the year before we played? 18. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. No, no, because no, System Down. Yeah, I think it was either 17 or 18. Final yeah, it might have been 18 because I think they played the last Rock on the Range. And then the oh, year, you're right. And then the year after, we played um, same stadium, but it was called Sonic Temple that year. When that, right, that, yeah, yeah, changed the name. That's what it's called now. And they were supposed to be on it this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's one of the biggest like concert tragedies of uh, 2020. I think was that they were going to play all those David Wimmer festivals. So what do you and do like two, two nights at each one? I'm sorry. What do you think the two sets were? I don't know. I was I was just expecting a lot of rarities, a lot of deep cuts, and I was kind of and I think it was going to be two full, like different nights. So like, uh, two full different sets. So like, if you heard for whom the bell tolls Friday night, you weren't going to hear it Sunday night. You know? Yeah. So, I I was so I mean I didn't have a ticket to go to any of them, but as like a Metallica nerd, I was like ready to be on you know the Metallicast Twitter and be like watch you know see what the set list is and stuff and like nerd out with everybody and, and you know we were 
nothing. I mean, obviously we were heartbroken. We ripped out. I hate that. Before the festivals got canceled, obviously they actually did cancel because that you know the James was having problems. You probably read that, and yeah, you know, I, I'm, we wish him well. We're glad that he has recovered and he's doing a lot better now and all that fun stuff. But um, you know, just like you're a nerd, we're a nerd too. We're nerds as well, but unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, if it ends up getting rescheduled the way it's going to be, we were going to be on the festivals that they were playing, other than Sonic Temple, because we played it last yeah. year. But like Aftershock and Louder Than Life and all these freaking oh, things, yeah. we were like looking at each other like, here we go. Dude, we're about to be side stage for Metallica. <laughs> yeah. Like, we're about to yeah, open like, for Metallica. Here we go. Like, are you yeah, freaking yeah. kidding, man? Uh, you know, COVID. <laughs> COVID. Yeah. I mean, hopefully, I mean, I know there's like no end in sight, but I mean, hopefully best case is they can sort of take everything that was supposed to happen this past summer and just sort of move it over a summer best they can. Yeah, if it's but... any, if it's any like shining light at the end of the tunnel, you know, we, uh, we have gotten contracts in for next year. The, basically the festival that we were going to play this year from Danny Wimmer, we got them in for next yeah. year. So, you know, nice. we did renew everything. So hopefully... And, you know, that, that would be a smart thing to do in terms of the festival owners because rather than giving refunds, all these people can just immediately get, you know, some kind of upgrade or something for the next festival right. and you just keep all the same bands. Right. Sure. And, in, you know, going back to sort of what we're all going through today and, and you were saying you're kind of like piecemealing stuff and kind of teasing stuff as you go. And I think that's so smart right now, too, because, you know, the there's only so much I'm sure you guys can do as a band right now. So except to write music, record music to honest, at least even recording music might be difficult for you guys right now. Recording has been easier. We just did that acoustic stuff. So mm-hmm. recording is the like, live in studio stuff that you saw with show me how to live. Yeah. Because we, yeah. we all basically live together. So that's not an issue. So the, an engineer is able to just put on a mask and, and kind of work, but, you know, it, you can't really do as long of sessions and stuff like that. But right. at the end of the day, I think that the mentality that we have, like you said, is, is the right one because, I mean, it's hard enough to break a rock band when you can tour, you know, mm-hmm. in the modern era, right. let alone yeah. unprecedented times and there's no touring and there's all this commotion going on. You know, I think, uh, honest to God, I think the last thing that anyone's worried about right now is who's the next hottest band. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. 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 Unfortunately. <laughs> unfortunately for you guys yeah. but you know i i i you know i'm, I'm not just saying this because you guys are in front of me right now um but i i really enjoyed the ep i think you guys are going about things the right way um in terms of you know just your overall attitude and approach to what you do there's a real um it's, it's just genuine and and it's not um, and I, I really appreciate and respect that as a music fan and as a musician myself. And I can tell just from talking to you guys for the last hour, there's no bullshit. <laughs> Thank you, man. <laughs> we appreciate that. It's humbling. You know, it's humbling to hear that. And yeah, it's exactly right. There's no bullshit. There's no smoke and mirrors here. There's it's yeah. straight the fuck up, man. You know, and that's that's what we preach, and, and that's exactly what we um, what we hope to show everybody. And, and I think that ultimately too, that you know, people can smell bullshit. And so if, if you're real and you're in your true, they're going, it's going to come through and people are going to, I think, respond to that. And the songs are great. You guys got obviously very intelligent, experienced people behind you at this point. 
So I, I I'm really excited to see what's next for you guys and see what to see what lies ahead for South of Eden. Us too, man. We can't wait to see. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> yeah, just uh, waiting. I guess waiting for the dust to clear, and then we'll we'll see how hard we can hit it from then. But yeah, man. Again, we appreciate you know people. You know, you, we appreciate you and appreciate people like you having us on and taking the time to talk to you know a couple of hippies from the sticks. So, <laughs> man. So, Robert, again, thank you very much. Oh no, this was a blast. You guys are welcome anytime. Anytime you want to bullshit about Metallica <laughs> music. Please just have your uh, you guys reach out. Have your people reach out. Really say, hey, they want to come back geek. on. Yeah. yeah. What's when that? someone's a geek on the same subject that you are, it's great to run into them. Exactly. I mean, that's the real answer why I do this too. Is that you know I, I always joke because I've been asked before like, what made you want to do a Metallica podcast? I was like, well, besides them being my favorite band, is like, and I always half jokingly like, my wife got tired of me turning every conversation into metallica and metal so i gotta find like-minded people you know <laughs> like i gotta find like-minded people to nerd out to and, and and if i can do an episode a week then you know it keeps me out of her hair she can <laughs> do her thing oh, yeah. i can nerd out hey, you know? that is but, such babe, a smart strategy like, babe, but have you seen this performance of, of <laughs> no they compared this on sm or uh, snm2 SM to SM1. SM1. Yeah. like look how it's different <laughs> it's well, sometimes sometimes because she's nice she's a nice person who loves me she won't she she will ask questions and then within like 30 seconds i see the eyes glass over and i can tell she immediately regrets her decision and i just keep on going she's like oh and then no like... because the question she asked like is like a three-parter because i mean the question that she asked to her seemed like a simple one but you're like well you won't understand it. Yeah, let me really explain to you the complex of James and Lars's relationship. Yeah. Understand the question of, oh, are they like a metal band? <laughs> well, and, and just as in you know, just to show you how in the weeds I can get to, I had a uh, uh, one of my regular guests, Richard S. He. It's like a running thing. I feel like I shut him out every single episode, but I just love talking to the guy. He's a music journalist. He's done stuff for. Uh, you know, billboard and stuff like that. So he's been on a bunch of times. Um, and he uh, was saying, he, he messages me the other day on Twitter and he's like, he's like, I, he's like, I, I got, I need to know an answer to something I'm like what, like what, what's, what's going on, man? Like, I, I think it's going to be like a really important question. He's like, I got to ask you something I'm like, what, what? He's like, he's like, why do they play double eighth notes when they say, you know, it's sad, but true live now instead of the triplets that's on the album. And I'm like, Dude, now you're gonna make me do a live deep dive. <laughs> Crap! Like, here comes five different eras. Let me just see, compare. You just see it and you're like, damn it, YouTube. <laughs> so then I was like, wait, now we gotta go back, see when that switch happened. Were they playing with the triplets on the Black Album tour? Or did a switch on the like? Right <laughs> before the tour that. started, it could have been like. Yeah. Why did he think to do that? You know, or when did he screw up? <laughs> yeah. right. more than likely what happened <laughs> and this is what my poor wife has to live through so thank you guys on her behalf uh, for you know occupying my time for the last hour or so <laughs> we, we seriously appreciate it and thank you for having us on you know if any whoever's watching if you guys want to follow us on at, at south of eden band we'd appreciate it and like i said seriously brandon thank you so much man this means a lot uh it, it was my pleasure and and, and 
all serious since you guys are welcome back anytime. Thank you so much, brother. We might have to take them up. After, yeah, yeah. after we watch SNM too, we'll just do an episode oh, there we go. of our reaction. Please, please, please reach out to me and let me know what you think. I'll I'll have the mic going. We'll we'll do it up. Hell so, yeah, man! man. Uh, thank you so much, man. Have a good rest of your day. All right, thank you. You too.
That was Dancing with Fire by South of Eden off their debut EP, The Talk, out now on Lava Records. If you like what you heard, please check it out. I'm going to play one more song at the very end. So hopefully you enjoy that one as well. I personally enjoyed all four songs on the EP. That was really well done. I'm looking forward to hearing the full length which sounds like will be coming up in the near future, as well as some acoustic stuff, which should be really cool. But you can find out all that information in terms of release dates, tour dates when touring is back up and running again at southofedenband.com. And there's also links to their social media in the episode description. So give them a follow on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please follow Metallicast on social as well, at MetallicastPod on all three, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Support the show, please download, subscribe, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. All those little things go a long way in supporting the podcast and allows me to continue to grow and have great guests like South of Eden on in the future. And hopefully they join me again in the future. I said I was going to play one more song, so without further ado, here is the title track off their debut EP, The Talk, again, out now on Lava Records. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen. Metal up your ass. Yeah.
fans, not experts.